It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. Foster. Nine seconds for the win. Oh! 
Let's do it. What are your What were your thoughts about? Uh, I guess we could talk Sweet Sixteen yeah, first, and then sure. we can talk Elite Eight. Yeah, so Sweet 16, I was just looking at my bracket to start. I had seven teams in the Sweet 16, which is not, That's, not, it's not great. Okay. It's, not, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, and then I got two in the Elite Eight, two out of eight, which is not, again, not that great. I had Kansas and Villanova. And then in my bracket, I had both those teams losing. So no Final Four teams for me. I end up with, on, on the ESPN app, 390 points. That puts me in the 16th percentile, which last week I was in the 12th percentile. So I moved up by four, so we'll take it. Um, but not great. So just overall for my bracket, all-time all time terrible result for me. Just one of the worst brackets I've ever put together. So we're going we're gonna to preview Final Four, but like I don't even know if I would believe what I'm going to say. Because like it's just everything I'm saying has just not happened. Like I was talking about last week. For the tournament, yeah. Yeah, for this for this NCAA tournament. Like, um, everything that, like, all the upsets I picked in the first round didn't go through. It's just been, it's been a tough year for me for this bracket. Um, but moving beyond my bracket, it was, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of really good games. St. Peter's, as you predicted, did get the win over Purdue. I had Purdue I'm glad you remembered. That. Yeah, I, I had Purdue winning that game. St. Peter's impressed everyone and they made the elite eight first sweet six or first uh 15 seed in the, in the elite eight ever they kind of got dominated unfortunately by north carolina um which uh, which was sad but incredible run for them uh it, go, it goes down in history as the most successful low digit team ever so super fun to watch that um other than that iowa state miami two double digits that was a uh, that was a good one, and then Miami, unfortunately, just got absolutely obliterated. Did you watch that game yesterday, Miami Kansas? I did. They were uh, Miami's up six at halftime, and then they lose by thirty. I know. That I was know. crazy. So Kansas was was unbelievable. They're so fast. The way they get up and down the court on the fast break is unbelievable. It was like, it was like Miami was stuck in quicksand. It was like they yeah. were trying to to run back down the court, but they couldn't. Because they just couldn't even move. Like they had. Uh, concrete galoshes on or something. I don't know what was going on, but it wasn't very good. They have to uh, get some faster players or get better condition because that that Kansas team was running yeah. up and down on them. And, I, you know, like, there's so many games, so, like, I don't know. Like, these are obviously the games that I was paying most attention to the entire tournament because they were the only games going on yeah. as they were going on. So, I, I don't remember, like specifically watching Kansas and seeing them do that to another team with like the crazy fast break. I know they're known for having a really good fast break, but I'm going to be curious to see if that comes out against Villanova as well, or if it was just Miami, they just were not ready for that. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess, so how, how'd your, yeah. how'd your bracket do? It was well, already I had, terrible. It was I had no elite game. eight teams. Isaiah. None of my elite eight teams made it, which was horrible. Sad. My bracket uh, has 280 points, and it's finished with 280 Yikes. points. It's it's done. Mm -hmm. And I moved down to the 3.2 percentile. Wow. But here's my question. You moved up to the 16? Yeah. Do you still have the ice cube? I do, I believe. Yes. Okay. See, I wonder how this ice cube works, Isaiah. That's what I'm, I really want to know. Like, that's the takeaway message that I want to know from this year 
from my <laughs> woes of this bracket. The infamous ice cube. Yeah, I want to know, like, what warrants you getting this ice cube? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Is it like you've just I moved been up? so bad for so long, or or is it like... Under a certain percentile, I, you get the ice cube. I would guess it's like bottom 25% are ice cube and top 25% are fire. All right. Well, next year, next year I'm going to be on fire. And I'm using the same exact uh, formula. I'm not changing a thing. See, I had a little bit of hope to at least make a little bit more noise if Gonzaga would have not lost in the Sweet 16 right, Why Gonzaga in my final four? Yeah, so, so let me talk about Gonzaga. One. I don't, like, understand this whole Chet Holmgren thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and like, my friends are going to think I sound like a broken record because I've been saying this for, you know, like, there was this whole conversation. Uh, Isaiah, you'll think this is funny. And, you know, not to be talking about violence on after such a violent night last night. But I was looking at Chet Holmgren, and I think someone, like, someone asked, I don't know if someone asked me or if I was the one that brought it up, and I said... Who would win in a fight, me or Chet Holmgren? And I, I said, I think I'd win. And then there were people that were taking my side or not taking my side, and there was a whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> because the guy is like a stick figure. Yeah. I think he's he's seven feet tall, and he weighs like less than me. It's unbelievable. He's, he's just like, I don't understand how this guy is the number one pick. I'm so confused. He just does not, like... Forget the fact of how skinny he is. He doesn't have a killer mentality. Like, Drew Timmy was the number one on that team, right? Yeah. So how are you going to be the number one pick in the draft if you're not even the number one option on your team? And if that guy goes into the NBA, he's going to get bullied so hard by every other big man, it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. It's He's like he's going to end up hurt. He's not even going to last the whole season. So, Chet, if you're listening to this, Stick around in school, buddy, for like at least one or two years, and and you gotta find some like sandwiches or something. I don't know what's going on. I, I feel bad for him. I hope he doesn't have any health issues or anything, because if he does, then I'm gonna feel you know bad about what I'm saying. But I mean, if he doesn't have health issues, this guy has to put on some weight because he cannot perform at that weight in the NBA. It's unbelievable. So that's what I have to say about Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, the Duke versus Texas Tech uh, game, that was like the flash where you saw, oh, Duke is maybe going to be a, a good team um, and make a run here. The St. Peters-Purdue uh, game, a similar kind of thing. Zach Eady, are you going to be aggressive at all? Yeah. I mean, like... The Crazy. seven footers are kind of seven. Just, no, but they're, they're kind of seven, foot, seven, foot. seven foot four. Yeah. And they're playing against guys that are like the tallest guy. Who is their center? Nadefo? Who is he? Like six eight? They don't. You know, St. Peter's didn't have a tall guy on their team, but Zach Eady, he doesn't attack at all. And everyone's saying, "Oh, he's this great player." Is he? Is he talking about being drafted at all? I don't know. He should definitely stick around for a little bit. Um... But I just don't understand if you're seven foot four and you catch the ball down low and you're going up against six eight guys, be aggressive. Go to the basket yeah. hard. I mean, he is so passive. It was unbelievable. They they had him out down the stretch because he wasn't playing well. That guy if I was seven four, dude, if you were seven four, come on, you gotta you gotta attack. You gotta be aggressive. So in North Carolina dominated St. Peter's. That was too bad, but all good things must come to an end. 
other games. I don't really have anything Arizona losing to, to Houston was also kind of disappointing for my bracket. I had Arizona going far. Well, I hate Houston because of what <laughs> oh, they did the Rutgers yeah. last year. So I'm glad they lost in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that one also hurt because I had them getting upset in the first round, which was probably not smart because they were one of the top efficiency teams on offense and defense in the nation. So I definitely should have, have picked them to lose in the first round. But I really liked UAB. That was like a... That was a pretty popular, like, I talked about too. upset yeah. team. So, like, I we felt good about wrong. it. But, um, no, I want to respond to a couple things you said, though. Sure. Chet, Chet. I, I fully agree with what you're saying about Chet. I don't understand the number one seed hype either. Like, for the exact same reasons you said. I mean, his arms look like literally literal I think, twigs. I like, think if, like, Giannis runs into yeah, him, I mean, he might just shatter every bone in his body. Just, I'm actually nervous for him. I'm, like, I'm afraid for him. I... As an NBA team, if he goes to the draft, I see why he's a high draft pick in that he has a lot of potential and could put on a lot of weight and eventually be a really good big man in the NBA, but he's not there yet. So I personally think he should take more time. So he's not bullied for a couple of years in the NBA first, so he should spend some more time in, in college. But, I mean, if he's already being projected top a, a lottery pick, he's not He's not going to stick around in college. But um, he should because it, it, it should only should, go up. He should. Because if he's projected the way that he is now, it's literally just based on the fact that of how tall he is, how much wingspan he has, and the fact that he's like kind of a, a do-it-your-all player. He could be inside, he could shoot the three, he could do all these things, right? But So it's not. it shouldn't go down barring an injury. So you think that if you if he sticks around for a couple years, he puts on some weight, and if he becomes the number one option on the team, he's not even the number one option on the team. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, as an M, as an NBA team, like he, I understand why he'll go very very high, but a team that wants to rebuild like quickly should not take him. He's, he's going to be a long-term investment. He'll probably be in the G League for a while, I would think. And in one in, in, in one offseason that would be coming this year, yes, he can put on some weight and muscle, but, like, it's not going to be nearly enough for being NBA ready. And just, like, even just watching him play, he's, again, very good, very high potential, but does not nearly look ready to, to play against almost even, like, G League-level guys yet. Like, so... It's going to be a long-term investment with this guy. I I believe he has a, a lot of potential to be a very, very good player in the NBA one day, but I just think we're a long ways off from that. So I, I am with you that I don't understand the hype and that the whoever drafts him has to understand that it's going to be a long time before he's ready to be a dominant big man in the NBA. If but, ever. Because... If ever. Yeah. You never know. He has, could to, be a bust, like, but. he has to put on like 30 or 40 pounds at least. Yeah. And we're, and that's going to take a couple years. That's not going to be one off season. So. Right. And also, and just, and not even just the weight thing, but it's also like how well will his skills transfer to the NBA? Like that's just also a risk. And like, he looks to be, to have high potential, but like it just, to me watching him play, doesn't totally seem he like. He doesn't move well either. Like, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't move like. Like doesn't seem like his skill would translate. Like big man, like he's not. He doesn't really move gracefully or with any kind of speed at all. He just kind of like. No, I mean he looks like an eighteen. down the court. He looks like an eighteen, nineteen year old, like lanky kid. <laughs> That's what he looks like because that's exactly what he is. Well, he doesn't even know how to use his body. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think he does either. So 
he would 100% benefit from sticking around at a very solid Gonzaga program for a couple of years. Will he do that? Most likely not. And when he gets drafted, will he, we see him in the NBA in any time soon? Probably not. And if we do, he'll get run over. So Yeah, now I have, I have a question I'd say. This yeah. isn't on a list, but what do we think? Do we think Chet does well with the ladies at, at Gonzaga? <laughs> What probably, you probably. You think so? Yeah, probably. I mean, anyone that's a Gonzaga basketball player, you have to imagine. You think? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that is their thing. That is like, I mean, those are the guys at Gonzaga. Like, they don't have anything else. Yeah, see, I'm not so sure, Isaiah. I don't know. Okay, I mean, he especially when you're like a starter. A strange-looking guy, and then, like, he looks like a human praying mantis. But and... he's going to be in the NBA soon, and, he, and he's a starter on their team. I mean... That's just too hard to be. I'd I'd be interested. Maybe we have to like investigate. No, I, I I think uh, so. His Instagram CV's a girlfriend. That's too or much. It's just you're gonna have way too much clout if you are against a starter. Yeah, for see, Gonzaga. I don't. I don't. I think you're wrong. Okay, but we'll see. I guess. You really uh, think he like if he approached a girl at a party, she'd be like, oh, like, who are you? They, everyone know, knows I, who I he is. I think they would know like, who he is. And like, I think they would know who he is and kind of like <laughs> laugh at him because they think he's weird. That's Maybe. what I think. Maybe. He's like on the team and, and people think highly about him, but he's not he's not someone that you're like, oh like I could go talk to that guy. I don't know. I don't know. But well, that's maybe. I don't know. I'm not a girl. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, I hope he's doing well too. <laughs> for his sake. Um one other team I, I wanna talk about is Duke, in that we talked about them this is just another example of me being wrong and, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna fully accept it. We All talked right. about two weeks ago going into the tournament, we talked about is this a Duke team that can make a championship run? And I said no chance. I did not believe in them. They, from what I've seen, from what they played today, they don't look like when it gets late in the stretch. It didn't seem like they tried very hard in games. It just didn't. It seemed like it was a, a squad of like highly talented players, but didn't actually play that well together. And they had some recent uh, games where they were playing really close against bad teams. So I didn't believe in them at all. I have them in my bracket. I had them getting upset in the second round. Um, That's what I had too. And I, I just said there's zero chance to make a, a run to the championship. And here they are in the final four. They're proving me wrong. So, well, I, I, don't know. I, I didn't say I'm, zero chance. I said I know, I did. Coach K. I did. Yeah. So that was just. This is just. I can't believe how bad, how how wrong I've been about basically every single thing that's happened in this tournament. So. All right, so what's going to happen this weekend, Isaiah? And that's the thing. I'm like, do I even say anything? Because whatever I say, well, it's well, be they want to know. I think they want to. No, I, I will. I we will, don't but... have to take a lot of time on it. We can just yeah. kind of like say, oh, this is what I think. Because, but we're not going to take a lot of time because yeah. we don't really know what we're talking about. Right. We both suck. <laughs> well, and uh, well, the final four is Saturday, but then the uh, championship will be around this time next week. I think it's probably like eight eight thirty. Oh, Monday we're gonna night. have to move it. No, oh. no, I think it'll be right after. It's, it's, oh, so we'll do like a, a preview. Yeah, it'll be like show. it'll be right before. Um, All right, let me let me double check. I'm if it says I think it will. Because um, usually it, Eastern time, it's not going to start anytime before eight. I I wouldn't think. Um, but we could figure it out. They haven't announced yet, but it, it'll, it'll right. be later. So anyway, final four games. First game is Kansas versus Villanova. I'm taking Kansas in this one. Me too, Isaiah. Um, just for what I saw in that second half uh, against Miami, where they're just so dominant. Villanova, from what I've seen, they they play they played very good defense. They're one of the top defensive teams in the country, but they just haven't 
been able to pull away from teams and like really like show that like any sort of offensive prowess to like the point where they could stick with Miami or with uh, Kansas. And they lost uh, one of their best players, Justin Moore, to a Achilles uh, tear. So they'll probably slow him down for a little bit, but I think Kansas will eventually pull away. Any other thoughts on that one? Uh, not particularly. I, I think Kansas looked pretty dominant in that Elite Eight game, and uh, I think they're definitely going to be a team that – I mean, I, I have them winning the whole thing. So. Yeah. I, yeah, and I, I also have them beating the winner of the other game um, as of right now. But other game, UNC-Duke. One of the greatest American rivalries, and it's their first time playing. Yeah, I was so surprised about that. I, I was too. Yeah, I would have imagined that they would have met before. Yeah, that is absolutely crazy, and of course, it's in Coach K's final season. What are the odds of that happening? Perfect ending. It's and a redemption for his loss it at is. home against them. And I don't, you know, I, I, this is this game's a toss up to me, but I'm just, I'm gonna take North Carolina. I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm gonna say that they're gonna. They ruined uh, the end of Coach K's season, at least the regular season, and it seemed like that was it. Now he's getting another chance, and I think they do it again. They, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I still, like, these, the concerns I had for Duke, they've outplayed them throughout this tournament, but I still think they could come back up. North Carolina's been beating teams that are way better than them this whole tournament. They just absolutely dominated a hot St. Peter's team. I'm going to take them in the upset. Me too, Isaiah. Let's go. That means it's not definitely not going to happen if we yeah, both. We're both yeah, listen, I think North Carolina is going to win, but I would love to see Duke win. I'm rooting for Duke. I don't, I don't like Duke. Well, well, I don't really like Duke. I really either, like but... Coach K. I'm yeah, a big sure. Coach K fan, and this is his last ride. I, I feel like it would be very, very cool to see him go out in the, you know, at least win this game and say, oh, I beat you know, North Carolina in the Final Four, and, um, and then try to win the championship. I I would love to see that, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I just... Yeah, I like him too, but it's like, he's already won so many. Like, yeah, there's but nothing his last, like, his last chance. There's nothing, like, particularly special about this team that, like... It's not like oh, it Zion. Is it's like, his last, his I, no, last I know. I, I mean, like, the players, like, in particular. It's but it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's the last team he's ever in a coach. And I don't want it to happen. Wow. I don't like North Carolina either. I, if Kansas wins, I'd be happy. If Villanova wins, I, I would be more surprised. But whatever. But I, just, I don't. I don't like Duke or UNC, and I just, I kind of just hope they lose. <laughs> but we'll see. It'll be fun. I'm super excited. It's gonna be. That's gonna be like one of the most like memorable games I think of all time. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be so crazy. And Kansas Villanova will be good too. It's it's. A little unfortunate that it's going to get a little bit overshadowed. I think That's it'll a really be good. good one too. So I think it'll be good. We got a lot to look forward to. We'll have a championship right around the corner next week. So a lot of fun in this college basketball season. But there's another league of basketball, and the playoffs are only two weeks away. I'm so excited. The NBA. I was saying, I was saying to Lauren that this is going to be such a cool playoffs. It's going to be great. Like, it, it just seems very, very even. It seems like there's a lot of different teams that could definitely do something this year, and I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. All right, Isaiah. I totally agree. So I'm going to start you off with a question. Yeah. What was the bigger surprise? The Lakers, being the at this point in the season, being the 10th seed in the, in, uh, the Western Conference, or the Celtics being the first seed in the Eastern Conference? That's a good question. I like it. And I am more surprised 
by the Celtics being in first place. Wow. The Celtics going into the season, I I pegged them as a playoff team, and I probably figured they're gonna be in the lower half of playoff teams, but still a team that's gonna make it. And that's the way they played more or less up until mid-January. And so I, they're totally fitting expectations. I didn't expect anything to change. Maybe they move up like to like the five-four range. Maybe they drop to like the eight range. But then all of a sudden they win what twenty-four out of twenty-eight games the last two months. Like who who would have ever seen that coming? And and of, of course I did. Yeah, you you said that they're gonna get better. <laughs> you definitely did. But I didn't. I don't know if anyone saw them going to first. Well, I I. A long time ago, before this run, I said that they were going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. But it's first okay. place, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, no, yeah, you're fine. So the fact that they've won 24 of 28 is absolutely crazy. And the other, the other surprising thing about it is going into the season, I would have thought the Nets would be number one right now. Um, if not them, the Bucks, and it'd be like Nets, Bucks, one and two. So the fact that they, the Celtics, are ahead of both those teams is very surprising to me. And then just to compare it with the question to the Lakers, it's a team that, as I've been saying all year, going into the season, I didn't believe in that much. I had them in the playoffs, probably around the same range as the Celtics, honestly, but a team that after last season with that loss to the Suns, and I just didn't really feel that great about, despite the fact they have LeBron and like all these guys that were once really good that are like old now. So the fact that they've dropped a couple more spots into 10, it's not that surprising to me, especially in a Western Conference that's really, really strong. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm. It's surprising. I, I won't lie, but the fact that they're, the fact that they're in the play-in is not surprising to me. The fact that they're the last team in the play-in is surprising. But that's all trumped by the uh, Celtics being in first. That's that's beyond crazy to me. So, what's your answer, Kenny? I'm gonna have to disagree with you here, Isaiah. Sure. I was, I'm but you had the Lakers going to the. Uh, yeah, winning the championship. I did. So. I did have the Lakers winning the championship because they have three, ha- four, maybe five. Five. I. They probably have five <laughs> Hall of Famers on their team. They have Pass their prime. Some of them. LeBron is playing very well right now, yeah. and, and AD 100%. should be in this prime. AD's a little overrated, but he's hurt. So, anyways, I really thought the Lakers were going to win it all this year since they got Russell Westbrook and they had this crazy team. But it hasn't turned out that way. And for whatever reason, they have not clicked and they have way, 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 way underperformed their expectation. And now they're in the 10th seed. And they're in danger of dropping to the 11th eleventh seed and not even being in the play-in tournament. Which I find crazy. Yeah, they're only one game ahead of the Spurs. The half game. And they have the hardest schedule down the stretch. So right now they're saying they have a 44% chance to make the play-in tournament. Wow. So I'm shocked. I I mean, the Celtics being first in the East, that's very surprising to me as well. I would have thought a team like the, um, the Nets or the Bucks would be... That team, but it's the Celtics. Hundred percent. Like I see where you're coming from, but for me, it's the Lakers. See, the the thing is though, when I look at the Western Conference, every team that's in front of them, except for maybe the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves and the Pelicans, I'd say those are the three teams that are in front of them that I'm like surprised are higher than Lakers. What about the Clippers? No, the Clippers. 
I honestly expect them to be about the, about the same range as, as the Lakers. So that, that's not that surprising to me that they're ahead of them by yeah, two spots. Yeah, I just spots. don't understand, like, how could you look at the Lakers and say, oh, yeah, they're going to be, like, all these teams in the, in the West are they, better Because they're all, they're all past their prime, except for LeBron. And I always have thought AD is overrated. And then you bring it, I thought Russ would be better than he has been. But then everyone else, like, oh, you bring in Carmelo. Carmelo's not supposed to be, like, he's not supposed to, like, he's just there. But he's one of those highly touted guys, and it's like... He's not highly touted, he's there. He was going going into the season. No, he was not. Yeah, he was. Who was highly touting Carmelo Anthony going into the season? A lot of people, that they they, they had him as one of the key, like, additions to the team. No Because they're bringing in all these Hall of Famers, like you're saying, they're bringing in all these Hall of Famers, but that doesn't matter. He's good off the bench, you can get your points off the bench. The, the main the, the main problem here is that that big three is way underperformed. I think they should have the best roster in the entire league. But it hasn't turned out that way. And it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. And yeah, I, and like Dwight Howard's another one where it's like, oh, they got Dwight Howard. It's like, who cares? He's so But forget old. all like, that. You should have... Who else? You have, who else? It doesn't even matter. If you have LeBron James... Russell Westbrook and AD on the same team, you should be winning a championship. I'm sorry. I don't care if, if Westbrook's a little bit past his prime. AD's overrated. I don't care if AD's overrated or hurt. I don't care if LeBron's old. That team should be winning the championship at, at or this, at least fighting for it. At this point in his career, LeBron cannot carry a team like that anymore. Like 2016 with the Cavs, he willed them. to. Or I, I, no, I think it was 2017 where they like ended up losing the Warriors, but like, that was like a terrible team, but he willed them to the playoffs. It's 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 like at this point, he's still like a top scorer in the league, but it's like he needs a little bit of support around him. And AD's good, but overrated, and he's been injured all year. And then like beyond him, it's like yes, Russ should also have been a lot better. But then after that, it's like I, how is this the best roster in the league? This like Carmelo passes prime. Trevor Ariza, he's also getting pretty old. And then DJ, obviously, it's like all these guys were like really good like six or seven years ago, but it's 2022. These guys aren't relevant anymore. So that's why I, they're not, I mean, it's not a terrible roster. It's, it's a team that I thought somewhere between like the maybe five and probably like six or seven range in the West. And then they, and so I'm not surprised they're in the playing tournament, like I said, but the fact that they're 10th is surprising to me. Oh, I'm just really just curious gonna, to see what the Lakers up. are going to do this. Yeah, this it should get it should get blown up. I think Le- LeBron should not stay there. He should go to a, a, a better team. It's just it, it it's it is disappointing. It's it's definitely surprising. But this is I didn't believe in this team at all, and just be, like after seeing yeah, I know you never believed that, play, that playoff series against the Suns last year told me everything I needed to see because they were supposed to like. Oh, it was like the two versus seven, but like, oh, but it's the Lakers and LeBron and AD. Like, they should take care of them. And they got wiped. They got wiped by the Suns. So, clearly you have two teams that are going in opposite directions. The Suns just completely surpassed them, moving to number one. The Lakers, just the downfall started there. So, not surprised. Surprised, but not that surprised. All right, next question. Sure. Go ahead. So, who has... Or you want me to ask? Well, you can ask. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so who has the tougher path to the NBA Finals, Kenny? Phoenix Suns or the Philadelphia 76ers? Oh, it's definitely the 76ers. So the way I have it worked out right now is the 76ers are going to have to beat the Bulls, the Celtics, 
and the Heat to make the NBA Finals. Whereas the Suns would have to beat the Timberwolves, the Jazz, and the Grizzlies. So I just think, I mean, I don't, do I really have to explain more? If, if those are the teams that they're going to have to beat, I think it seems pretty obvious that the 76ers definitely have the more difficult path, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I also said the, uh, I'm also thinking the Sixers for this one. I, I looked through, like, uh, what, like, my projections would be just in terms of who they'd be playing. Um, and for one thing, the Suns are a better team than the Sixers, so it's also, like, I factored that in a little bit. But they had to play the Bulls. I think that that's definitely a, a winnable series. But then after that, you're either playing the Celtics, who are the hottest team in the NBA right now by far, or the Nets, if they can upset the Celtics. And that's a Kyrie and Kevin Durant-led team. And then after that, it's either the Heat or the Giannis-led Bucks. I mean, it's just, like, five teams right there. Like, I, I think they'll get past the Bulls, but then, like, four teams right there that I would have favored over the Sixers versus looking at the Suns, I have them likely playing the Clippers, which is not too difficult for them, I don't think. And then it's the Mavericks or the Jazz which are, are both solid teams. Jazz I had going to the finals, going into the season. I think they probably get past those teams. And then you have either the Warriors or the Grizzlies. And both those teams are really good. But Steph is going to be coming off injury. Maybe he'll be at full power. It's hard to say. Grizzlies is going to... Same thing with Jaw coming off injury. So it's just none of those teams are like seem like too much of a challenge for, for the Suns, especially with... Just how dominant they've been this year. They've only lost 14 games this season. So I feel pretty good about the Suns' chances, and that's not as tough of, of a path, I don't think, as the Sixers. Yeah, the reason I said the Timberwolves is because I just have, I guess we flip-flopped what we think is going to happen in the playing tournament. I had the Clippers beating the Timberwolves, okay. and they would get the, the seven seed. Either way, I mean, yeah. those are, it's... Yeah, they'll take care of. I don't, I don't like neither neither of those teams. I don't think are too much of a challenge. All right, well then, what team in the West has the best chance of stopping the Suns? I would say, if anyone's going to stop the Suns in this playoffs, to me, it's the Warriors. If if Steph comes back healthy, if he if Steph comes back and he's clearly like not actually ready to play and. He, he just isn't being like he can't play it like how he usually has been. Then, then no, they're they're not going to be able to take care of the Suns. But if he comes back, he's fully ready to go. You have the Splash Brothers back in the playoffs. I could see them getting hot, and I could see them potentially, if anyone could do it, just absolutely going off from beyond the arc, taking taking the Suns like deep in a series and potentially possibly beating them. If if Steph isn't ready, then I'd, I'd probably say the Grizzlies. Grizzlies could you could say they're overhyped. They're very young, but when you look at the results of the season, especially I mean even recently they beat the Bucks and the Nets two of their past three games. There's and that's without John Morant. So this is a team that definitely should not be overlooked. I still like the Warriors more if Steph is fully healthy, but either of those teams has a chance. I would say. What do you think? I think the Warriors have the best shot. Okay. They're the only team that has won the season series against the Suns. Uh, I mean, at least out of all the playoff contenders in the West. That was the only team that has won the season series against the Suns. Unfortunately, I don't think the Warriors are even going to match up with the Suns 
if you know the standings stay the way they are right now, which they probably won't. It might move around and, and things may change, but the way I have it working out right now is that the Grizzlies are going to beat the Warriors in the second round. So then they'll be playing the the Suns in the in the Western Conference Finals. So if you know the Warriors do meet them, I think that would be the Suns' uh, biggest challenge. But I'm not even sure if they're going to get there. So you think the Warriors match up better with the Suns rather than the Grizzlies? Yes. Okay. I do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those are both really good teams, and I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people. Kind of look past the Grizzlies for some reason, just from what I've been like seeing in media. I stuff. think they're good. I mean, I have them in the they're Western really Conference I mean, Finals. I just, don't, I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think they they match up as well. Yeah, I mean, they they're the two seed for a reason, though. I mean, just like like I just said, like without Jaw right now, they're still beating really good teams, and it's a very young core. So the fact that it's come together so well this year is very surprising, and I think it makes a lot of people think potentially a fluke. I don't think so, though. I I've been super impressed with them, and I don't think they're a finals team yet, but I think they're a team that's gonna win some series in in this playoffs, and it's either gonna be I think it's either them or the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals as of, as of right now. So both very solid options. N- neither of them are quite the Suns, but it's a very tough talent in the West. All right, should we talk about the East a little bit? Sure. Kenny, who would you say has more at stake come playoff time? The two teams that made that huge trade this year, the Nets or the 76ers? I think it's definitely the 76ers. I mean, my logic here is what happened was is James Harden forced his way out of Brooklyn and he brought himself to the 76ers. So he wasn't happy with how things were going in Brooklyn and he felt the need for a change. So being that he was the catalyst for that trade, I think that the pressure is really on him and then also on his team. You know, the Nets this year have had a very strange year. They've had Kyrie not being able to play most of the year. That just got lifted. Harden was like wishy-washy the team the whole year. So, And then Kevin Durant was hurt for some time. So with all these things going on, they, you know are sitting right now in the nine seed in the East, which is also very surprising. Yeah. Uh, just like the Lakers, I think, is surprising to... I mean, not as much to you, but it is to me. So, my thinking is is that, you know, if the Nets were to be an early exit this year, it would kind of just be like a wash. Oh, this is a really strange year. Next year, we're going to have Ben Simmons on our squad, too. Now we have Drummond. Now we have uh, Curry's brother, Seth... Uh, we're going to get Joe Harris back from injury, hopefully. This could be a team that could make some noise next year, and, and then we're not going to have to worry about Kyrie being out. And we could all focus and do our thing and come back strong. But since Harden was the one that forced his way out of there, it's kind of on him now. Like You didn't want to play with Kyrie, and you didn't want to play with Kevin Durant. If you stayed there, it would have ended up being the big three of those guys going into the playoffs together, which would have been insane to watch. But he wanted to leave. He got his way. So now let's see what you're going to do about it. You know, I disagree with you on this. I think the Nets have more at stake here because now they're at full power. That The biggest issue all year has been they haven't been at full power. And whether it's been injury, whether it's been... Kyrie not legally being allowed to play at home. 
None of that is the case now. Yes, you don't have Harden anymore, but you still have Kyrie, you still have KD, and you still have a very solid lineup around you. To me, they need to prove that they can actually compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Because, I mean, they don't have any excuse anymore. Like, they are now at full power. I, as well as a lot of people, predicted them to make a deep run in the playoffs. And there's no excuse for that now. So, I honestly think that if they can't do it now, being as strong of a team as they are, but they're, I think they're, they're going, going to, to be I think they're fall apart. But they're the strongest when they have Ben Simmons on the court and he's not there right now. Yeah, are they though? Like we haven't. What do you mean? Are they? It. We haven't seen Ben it. Simmons is still a great player. We what? haven't seen it though. It's going to hurt the team if Ben Simmons. We haven't is seen there it at too. all. We don't. We don't know if he if he's that. They based off last year. We just we don't know how well oh, he messes with this on. team. So what I think. I mean, if they get bounced, I, I thought of the same way of like if you get bounced early. If the Nets lose early in this playoffs, I I think they fall apart. I think. At least one of Kyrie and KD is not on the team anymore next year. They move on to a team that has proven to make deep playoff runs in, in recent history. Because this Nets team, they have no more excuses. So if they can't do it this year, then there's not really a reason why this team that, you know, as we've, ta- we've talked about a lot of like chemistry, they still don't seem like they have the most chemistry of, of a lot of NBA teams. I think these, these guys, a lot of these guys will leave. I think this Nets team is going to look completely different. If they don't make a, a deep run this year, whereas the Sixers, I don't, I don't see that happening if they if they lose early. They they just brought in Harden. They have Embiid, who's a, been an MVP candidate the past couple of seasons, and they have a good core around them. If they lose early, I, I think they they still believe in all these guys that they just have brought together, and they'll give them another chance of, of actual full season next year to make a deeper run to be even higher in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that Nets had the same opportunity. I think they have to prove it this year or else people are not going to want to stay there. See, I think it's funny because I see it like, like with the same logic that you're using, but yeah. the opposite. They just brought in Harden, though. They're not going to get rid of Embiid, and they have a, a, a solid young core around them that they're not okay, going to get rid of. There's a Durant, lot of older guys on the Nets. They're but, not going to want to stay there. And, and Irving are both signed on for next year. They're, they're Simmons is going to be there. You're going, your, you're going to have your big three. This this whole thing just got lifted, so now like everything is free, and they're ready to be just basketball players again, not to worry about all this COVID crap. And why wouldn't you want to stay and play with with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons? Because I, so because it's like these decisions just get especially with these like top guys like with someone like Kyrie, decisions like this just get made so quickly. Like oh like. We we lost the year before, and then this year, like we lost in the first round. Like, screw this! I'm I'm going to a, an actual good team. Like that's that's exactly so, what's going to happen. And, so and for these Irving's older guys around force too, his way out. There's going to be a lot of complaining. Of the there's going to be a lot of complaining, and I could see one of those guys Irving's requesting not going a trade. To complain. He's he's no, happy to be playing. Same thing with Harden with, with Durant. Same thing. Same things that happened with Harden is going to happen with one or both of those guys here. They're going to complain and ask for a trade. And it's I gonna, really don't it's think gonna be so. the day after they lose. If, if if they lose the first round, it's gonna be the day after the, that week after. It's gonna be like, oh, like they're not content. Like they're talking about trade possibilities. That's exactly what's gonna happen. And even the guys around them, like someone like Blake Griffin, like they lose again. Like he's not gonna. He's, they're not gonna keep him on for that year. Like 
for another year. Like that team's going to fall apart. Who cares about Blake Griffin? Uh, no, I'm using as an example for Listen, the rest of the team. I'm telling you right now. Sixers are a lot more solid of a core of all I the young guys. I will bet almost anything that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will both be in this team next season. I'm talking about if they lose a first round series, there's going to be a lot of talk about them. I know what you're trades. talking about. They're not I don't care if they lose in the playing tournament. Those two guys are going to be in the team next year. I, I'm not necessarily saying they're not going to be there. I'm just saying just said, watch out. A lot of guys that are on the team right now are not going to be there, and I think one of those two guys will potentially re- uh, request a trade. That's what I'm saying is going to happen. Whereas the Sixers, I just I don't see that happening if they lose early. The Nets, they are in the eighth seed right now, or ninth seed, whatever. If they get the eighth seed, they do have to play the Celtics, which is the hottest team in the NBA right now. It is like there's a little bit of an excuse there in that they have to go up in the first round. Like, I think the Nets versus the Celtics is like worthy of being like an Eastern Conference Finals right now. So if that happens in the first round, it's like there's a I I there's a little bit of leeway there. I will say, but. They are so good. They are. We, I projected them to be in the NBA Finals. That doesn't happen. If they don't make a deep playoff run, it's going to be an extreme disappointment because they're at full power now, and things are going to look a lot different next year. That's my point. All right. Well, it doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere in the argument, so <laughs> I guess we will just leave sure. it be, and we will see what okay. happens. All right. So now, just to finish off the NBA, with – Kyrie back and him being able to play both home and away now, mm-hmm. are the Nets the finals contender? You're going to say yes, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%, because that's exactly what they were going into the season. Okay, they don't have Harden now. That's right. You still have Kyrie and KD. They're 100% a finals contender, and they should make a deep run. Again, the one thing I was saying earlier that's like the little bit of leeway is if they play the Celtics first, it's going to be really tough. They don't match up, I don't think, the best with them, but... Now that they have Kyrie back for every game, and they're still, like, what? They still have, like, maybe eight games left. They could move up potentially to the seventh seed. In that case, if they play, like, Miami, or if they play, like, the Sixers somehow in the first round, that's going to that's gonna bode a lot better, I think, for their playoff chances in general. Like, I think they get past Miami not too difficultly. If they play the Sixers, I think they're going to get past them pretty easily. It's, like, the Celtics and then also the Bucks are just a team that we talked about a lot last week are, are super good. So those are the two teams I think that are the most in their way. So if they can avoid getting matched up with those teams until later in the playoffs, I think that definitely helps. Even despite that though, this team is a finals contender. They were at the beginning of the season and I don't care if they're the nine seed right now. They are a finals contender hundred percent. What do you think? They are a finals contender, but I'm going to make a little bit of a, a bold take right now. Hot sure. take. Sure. They're not making it out of the out of the playing tournament. Okay. I think they are going to be bounced in the playing tournament. Against so what against the Hornets. The Cavs. No, they're not gonna lose yes. to the Hornets. No. They just lost to them last night. That doesn't matter. It's the not Cav- gonna happen in the playoffs. <laughs> okay, well you That's we'll not gonna see. happen in the playoffs. The Cavs are going to beat the Hornets, so they'll get the seven seed. Then the Nets are gonna beat the Hawks. And then you're gonna have Hornets versus Nets for the eight seed. And the Hornets will win. That's my hot take right now. That's not happening. All right, Nets, well, well, we'll see. The Nets won't even be... The Nets are going to... I could very easily see them moving up to seven. It, the way it is right now, seven, eight, nine, ten, Cavs, Hornets, Nets, Hawks, 
not what it's gonna be. All right. Well, going forward, if it is they, the way it they is will be right the, now, they will at least be in the seven eight game. If it is the way it is right now, that's my prediction. But if things change around, then I might have to make a new prediction. They're gonna play likely the Cavaliers in the seven eight game. They will roll by the Cavaliers, and they're gonna be the seven seed. And then they're gonna play the Heat, and then they're gonna beat the Heat, and then they're gonna make a deep playoff run. That is my bold prediction. That's not a you bold prediction. You can count on it. It's a, still a seven over a two, and they have to still win in yeah, the playoffs. They're not. A, they're not a real seven. <laughs> I, know, I know, but I'm telling you, that's what's what, that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna make it out of the play. I'm not. Even, I'm not even. I, don't have, I have zero concern about them making it out of the right. tournament. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll that's see. That's my hot take. Sure. That's fair. We can do those every now and then. We're going to dip into the MLB right now? Let's do a little MLB. We're going to give a little bit of a preview for the MLB. We'll I, have a, I think a little more in-depth Oh, we're going to do a lot. We're going to do a lot next week. But Isaiah and I have assembled our list of the top 10 starting pitchers in the MLB. Yes, we have. Season starts in 10 days, I think, next Thursday. So I feel like some people aren't going to like this, but okay. I'm going to go with it. Okay, let's hear your list, Kenny, starting at 10. Starting at 10, I have the Atlanta Braves' Max Freed. Okay, he's, well, he's, he's really solid. Last year, he's 14-7 with a 3.04 ERA and 158 strikeouts. He is my number 10. At number 9, Mr. Spider Attack himself. Garrett Cole. <laughs> now, a lot of people would probably think that he should be higher. I don't think so. I think he's still a top 10 pitcher in the league. But ever since they they enforced those rules yeah. about the spider tack, they were saying his spin rate was really going Gun down. Down. He wasn't playing as well. He sold a good season last year. He was 16-8 with a 3.23 and 243 strikeouts and a 1.059 whip. But... He's at nine for me. Number eight, Milwaukee's Brandon Woodruff. He had a good season last year. He was vying for the Cy Young for, for a decent amount of the season. Two-time All-Star. Last year he had a 2.56 ERA. He's been a great. Number seven is Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians. Yeah. So last year he posted a 3.17 ERA, 134 strikeouts. Shane Bieber is a, is a pro. He's been doing this for a while now, and I expect him to have another good season this year. What was that seven? Yeah. Number six, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola did not have a good year last year. He had a 4.63 ERA. He had a down year, but I still am a big believer in Aaron Nola. I think he's going to have a comeback year this year, and he's going to figure his stuff out, and he's going to get back to being a top 10 pitcher in this league. I, I saw a um, projection. He wasn't even the opening day starter, which is interesting. He should be. I, I totally agree, but I, I'm just throwing that out. Matt, I, um, Zach Wheeler is good too, but he's not as good as Aaron Nola. Number five. Yeah, five. Yeah, Wheeler was, yeah. I have Shohei Otani. Now, we both know that Shohei Otani is a great hitter, but also, if you just look at his pitching alone, this guy definitely belongs to be in the top 10. He is number 5 on my list. This guy had a great season last year, 
Put up unbelievable numbers. Won the MVP. Yep. He's got to be in this list. Number four. The old man. Chris <laughs> Sale. Chris Sale did not play a lot last year. He kind of just came back at the end of the season. But now that he has a, a full year uh, coming up where he's hopefully going to be healthy for the whole year. He's, I out, the fir- he's out the first month, but yeah. Well, when he comes back, he's going to do well. Yeah. When he comes back, he's going to do well. Chris Sale's always been a great pitcher, and I expect him to continue. Number three, the New York Met, Max Scherzer. Had a great season last year, 15-4, and 2.46 ERA, 236 strikeouts, and a .864 whip. Max Scherzer is my third best pitcher in the MLB, and I can't wait for him to tear it up for the Mets this year. Now, this is the one that people aren't going to like. Sure. I have Clayton Kershaw as number two. Now, did Clayton not perform as well as he usually does last year? Yes. But this is a career all-time great. He's a career 2.49 ERA. He's an amazing player. I think he's going to have a comeback year this year. He's going to be the ace for the Dodgers, and he's going to come back strong. I believe in him. Number one, who else could it be, Isaiah? But... The DeGrominator, Jacob DeGrom. Last year was unfortunate because he didn't get to pitch the whole year, but when he did pitch, he posted a 1.08 ERA and a 0.554 whip and looked unbelievably dominant. I expect him to have a healthy year this year and get back to doing what he was doing. And we have DeGrom and Scherzer now, so everybody look out. That's my list. All right, that's a good list. That's a good list. We have some similarities, a couple differences. Um, I, so I have my top 10, but I just have an 11th just because I couldn't, I couldn't not include him. And he was right there. I have Otani 11th, just outside the top 10. Wow. I just, I think of him more as a hitter right now. He's a very, very solid pitcher. He's not quite top 10 to me yet, but he's like so close. I still just think of him as a little bit more of a hitter, but going into my top 10, who's a a pitcher that's going to have a comeback season this year. One of the greats that we tend to forget about because he didn't play it at all last season. Justin Verlander. Wow. He still got it. All right. Don't forget about Justin Verlander. He's still around. I don't have I don't have uh, everyone's stats up like you do. I just have the list. But Verlander's going to have a comeback season this year. I'm excited to watch him. Number nine, I also have Garrett Cole. I, that was the exact same spot you Ooh. had him. So uh, Garrett Cole, and, and for the exact same reasons, just didn't look as sharp after the uh, – after the MLBs decided to start cracking down on uh, pitchers and s- potential subs- substances they could have on their bodies, it was interesting how that happens. Just like <laughs> what a coincidence. Said that was weird. Well, I mean that's what it is. Substances yeah. they may yeah. have on their bodies. Yeah, I mean that's that's what they check for on pitchers. So just a coincidence he starts to not play as well after that happens. But number eight, Chris Sale. I think you had him at seven or maybe seven or six. Um, again, he's he's still four. got it. he's. A, Oh, yeah. No, did you? Yep. Okay. Um, well, I have him at eight. Definitely a top ten pitcher. He's going to be out for the first uh, month, but he's the, he's the uh, age for the Red Sox, and he's going to have another great season. Number seven, I have Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. He's someone that I feel like doesn't get talked about as much as some of these other big names, but he has, for the past few seasons, consistently been a top pitcher in the NL, and... I definitely think he deserves a spot on this list. Number six, I have Walker Bueller. 
uh, another solid uh, a Dodger that he's been around on the Dodgers now for a while, and he's proven himself to be uh, one of the top pitchers in that rotation. Uh, number five, I have Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. He had an amazing season last year, really broke out um, for being someone that was kind of like coming up and not as talked about last year. He just blew up. I think he definitely deserves the hype, and I have him as a top five pitcher in, the, in Major League Baseball. Number four, I have Shane Bieber. He's been absolutely dominant the past few seasons. He's been a he's been a Cy Young guy, like top three Cy Young guy for the past like three seasons, I think. And he's shown no signs of slowing down. I think he's the fourth best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Number three, I have the man Clayton Kershaw as well. I've always been we we haven't talked about baseball a ton in the history of the show, but anytime we do, I've always been a big Clayton Kershaw fan. I'm pretty sure I picked him to like win Cy Young like multiple times going into the season. So I love Kershaw. I think he's still got it when when he can stay on the field. He, he does miss some time, it seems like, every year. But that curveball is, like, just the most beautiful thing. The, the Clayton Kershaw curveball is just, like, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on a baseball field. And it's just so amazing to watch. He's still got it. Two is Max Scherzer for the New York Mets. You, I mean, you, you talked about him. He's just so – one of the best pitchers of all time – now he's on the Mets, amazing signing for the Mets, and then he's not even the best pitcher on the Mets. He's not the best pitcher in Major League Baseball because it's Jacob Degrom, unstoppable, unbeatable, just potentially the the best pitcher I've ever seen in my lifetime. So unstoppable, crazy that both those guys are on the Mets now. We have the same top three, just switch Scherzer and uh, Kershaw. Yeah, I think we we That's had one, two, three, four, five. Six six of our top ten were um were the same. Okay, that's pretty no, good. in different orders, but pretty yeah, good. pretty good. But Degrom, I mean, I, I'm excited to like see him pitch. I mean, he didn't hadn't pitched the what like the second half of the season last year, right? Like, and now it's him and Scherzer. Like the Mets are gonna be they're gonna be pretty good. You're welcome to come over and watch with me anytime. At least they should be good. We have said it in the past, and then it's kind of just flamed out after like a couple first couple weeks. We'll of the see. Season. We'll but, see. This year, it feels like it might be different. Maybe. I hope so, for your sake. I like the Mets. I, if you were like a big Yankees fan, I, I would not be able to get behind that. But it's Mets, so you can't hate on the Mets. Are we going to do Tyreek real quick? Yeah, real quick. Let's talk about, real quick, one NFL topic. Tyreek Hill goes to the Miami Dolphins in a surprising trade. Um, Kenny, what were your reactions, and how much does this help the Dolphins? Are they a playoff team now? Yeah, I was just shocked because... When you think about the Chiefs, you think about that connection between between Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. At least I do. You know, when Patrick Mahomes is just gunning it down the field, it's usually because Tyreek Hill is, like, broken free of somebody and is wide open and is streaking down the field. So I'm really interested to see what's that, what is going to happen to the Chiefs now that that move is made. But how does it impact the Dolphins? It's a big deal for the Dolphins because they have Tyreek as the seventh best wide receiver in the league. So, <laughs> only specific. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's big that they got a good player like Tyreek. But unfortunately, it is still not enough to make them a playoff team in a loaded AFC. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a huge upgrade for the Dolphins. They have one of the best receivers now on their team. It's just, it's tough when it's Tua throwing to you. Um, I guess he maybe believes that this team is on the verge. I mean, 
the Dolphins, what they went, they went like eight and one to end the season last year. Like they had an incredible run. They showed a lot of potential. Tua might be that guy, might not. I think we'll find out this season if he is. So definitely uh, a big move for them. But it's just you know you got Tua throwing you the ball. But I don't know. I'm still I'm excited about how they ended the season last year. I think that they're going to be a strong. The Bills are the best team in the AFC East, but I think they might be right there with the Patriots now for second in the AFC East. It'll be close. They could be fighting for a seventh seed. I, I think they definitely could. There's just so many teams that are there are so front, many, so you many know? teams. Like, but... You got the Ravens, you got the Bengals, you got the Browns, you have the Colts, you have the Titans. Yeah. It'll be tough. But it's I don't know. The Broncos, the Chargers. No Rogers. Chiefs. To, no Rogers to Adams and no Mahomes to uh Tyreek this year is gonna be Yeah, super Rogers great. to Adams isn't as big of a deal. Yes, oh okay. Stop. Adams is Stop. okay. Stop it. Alright. We got we, we touched on everything tonight. That was, that was all the bases. That was good. We got yeah. So next week we're gonna have to we're gonna have to football. come up with a lot of baseball questions. Sure, sure. Take and it. and and, and we're, we'll be almost to the NBA playoffs. So yeah. Anyway, we got to wrap up. Thank you guys so much for listening to the extra point again. My name's Isaiah Mueller. Kenny Tomkins signing off. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>